Let it be more than words this afternoon. Lord, I believe in you. I won't struggle. I won't strive. Lord, I'll set my faith on you. I'll receive what I have need of. Oh, do not struggle. It's by grace that your wings to the winds of faith. Amen. Amen. Love that song. God bless you, young people. It's really, really an honor for me to be with you and have sure appreciated the fellowship here with you uh, this weekend. We're new faces to one another, but uh, you just have, have, uh, whether you know it or not, captured my heart. And I do want to bring you greetings from our youth group back home. Uh, Brother Ronnie Long, who's ministered this meeting before, and I, we we, uh, help with the youth ministry at home at True Word Tabernacle there in Ohio. And if you ever able to come visit us, you'll make some real good friends. We got some wonderful young people there. Some of you, I think, that are here are, are coming to our youth camp in about two weeks. And, uh, and we're just really looking forward to having you. And uh, I love the young people this message. This message uh, produces the finest young people on the face of the earth. And I want to I wanna just commend you for your stand and for your testimony. And, and uh, if you only knew how much you, you impress... Uh, those that have come before you because your generation has a quality you have a zeal you have a you have a passion for this message You didn't see it in my generation. You didn't we didn't see it among our peers brother Andrew, but God Amen, this message has not diminished over time. Amen, but this revival has grown it is advanced and you're a part of it young people Nobody can take your place Amen. You're here. This is your moment. This is your time. Not just this service, but this season, this age, this era. Amen. Uh, with this word, uh, you're indispensable to God. Amen. And as we minister uh, this afternoon, I hope that that will become something a little more clear to you by the help of the Lord. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and verse 18. Amen. And this is a little bit of part two uh, to to Thursday evening. And um, I'd like to title it God's Economy. God's Economy. Maybe a phrase that you've heard before. But whether you know it or not, you're a part of God's economy. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll start at verse 18. The Bible says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, then where were the body? In other words, if we were all an eye, if we were all all a hand, if we were all a foot, it wouldn't be much of a body, would it? Amen. If the whole body was an eye, where were the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased who? Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness 
For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Amen. What a beautiful, what a beautiful type there. Could we also take Ephesians chapter 3 before we pray and have you seated? And here's where I'm going to take my text. Ephesians 3, verses 8 and 9. And I'll try not to keep you long uh, today. I try to uh, preach the message of the hour, not the message of the hour and a half. Or, you know, So uh, we want to respect your time and, and make, make sure we have plenty of energy for the service this evening. But how many want to take advantage of this time? Amen. Amen. This is the one service this weekend that's specifically for you as young people. Let's take advantage of it. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. He says, unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by, Christ, by Jesus Christ. We were preaching Thursday on this mystery, this mystery, God having these secret attributes in his thoughts before the foundation of the world, and you were one of those thoughts. But now we're having fellowship, Paul says, with the mystery. And that fellowship uh, is sometimes translated as economy uh, because it's an interchange, it's an interaction, it's a group thing, amen? And so that's where we get this phrase, God's economy, that we've heard before. It comes from this scripture, amen. Can we have a word of prayer? And let me just ask you if you'd just be uh, willing uh, to make known uh, if you have a very, I mean specific this afternoon, something specific in your heart, something, a real, a, a need, amen, an exact and a specific need, something that, uh, something you're looking for to gain out of this service, would you raise it to him as we pray, amen. Be intent. Be, in, be specific. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the revelation that we have in this day of this mystery, Lord, and just to realize that we all have a part in this thing, Lord. There's no big eyes and little U's, Lord, in the kingdom of God, but we are all a part of your economy, Lord. And these young people that are gathered before me, Lord, many of them because of the complexes of youth, Lord, because of the things that the, our society has projected onto them, Lord, and the environment that they're raised up in, Lord, and the persecution of the church, Lord, and all these different factors, Lord, there are many people, young people, Lord, that are gathered here to, this afternoon, and Lord, that do not recognize how valuable they are to you, Lord. And when I look at these young people, Lord, my heart just swells because they mean so much to me, Lord, and in my eyes, they have such value. In my eyes, they have such potential, Lord, but Lord, that, that couldn't touch, Lord, what they are to you. Father, when you look at them, you see your children, Lord. You don't just see a young man. You don't just see a young woman. You don't see somebody lesser or inferior, Lord, but you see somebody that you predestinated in yourself before the foundation of the world, and you rose them up, Lord, for a very special purpose in this day. And Lord, as we would just labor to preach your word, Father, I, I'm just trusting in your anointing, Lord. You would help, Lord, and may we all get out of the way, Father, so you could say exactly what you want to say to these young people. And Lord, may it be edifying, I pray. And may we have your leadership, Lord. May you just move in a special way amongst us, Lord. You would change lives, change attitudes, Lord, and change the narrative, Lord, in each heart. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, we just dedicate ourselves to you. Amen. God bless you as you're seated today. Amen. Preaching about the fellowship of the mystery, the economy 
of the mystery. And you know, if you miss Thursday, and that's all right if you if you if you don't have the recap here. But uh, but we were preaching a little bit about how Brother Bram taught on God and morphe, which means God expressing Himself through a form, like a mask. And it, and this is how God works. Is he is down through the ages. He, he God never changes. He the way that He thinks and the you know His His heart, His His thoughts, they never change. But yet He changes His mask from time to time and season and to season so that he can reveal more about himself because he desires that. God actually wants that. God wants to reveal himself, amen, not just to churches and peoples and nations. Those times have come and they've gone. But today, Brother Bram said, the message is to an individual. And so, so, so you know, if you couldn't, uh, if, you, if you weren't there Thursday or, or maybe you can't wrap your mind around it, but the core of the message that, that I just want to set here as the foundation is that God desires a personal fellowship with you God desires to reveal himself not just to your pastor, not just to your parents, not just to your fellow church members or your church as a body, but God desires young people in this day, in this year, in this time, amen, that he can reveal himself to personally, amen, and then by that revelation, they could know who he is and he could come a little lower than he was yesterday to step into the life of a young man or step into the life of a young woman and make you his mask for this day, amen, so he can reveal something about the mystery within himself, amen, of which you are a part. You are a part of the mystery of God. Brother Brown said before the foundation of the world, he thought about you, and if he thought about you then, amen, then he thought about you always for eternity because God is eternal and his thoughts are eternal, and so if you have a part in him, amen, you're never in danger of losing it. Amen. Nobody will ever pluck you out of his hand because you belong to him. Amen. You are important. You, you, you have a value to him. And so, and so we have a fellowship with this mystery. This mystery that I'm talking about is the mystery of God, but it's being revealed. Amen. It was revealed in Jesus Christ, but it's also revealed in your personal, individual life. Amen. And so you, as a mask for this word, you're giving life to the mysterious purpose that he had in his mind before the foundation of the world. You say, me, Brother Nathan, you are giving life to the mystery, to the purpose, to what he had in his heart before the foundation of the world. You have to do with it. You're a part of it. You're a part of God's economy. And that makes you as an individual. Now, as a church, you're very important to us because of the ministry of Brother Ed and, and, and the precious families that are here and the legacy of Brother Harold. You're important to us as a church back there in Ohio. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you as an individual. Amen. Well, whatever church that you belong to. To, wherever you've come from, whatever family you were raised up in, you are very special. You are very important because this mystery is an economy. Amen. And you, you know what an economy is. We live in an economy. It's, a, it's part of human nature to have, you know, economy where there's trade and there's interaction. And, you know, you, you don't just live in your house and, and eat everything that grows up in your backyard. And, you know, you, you, know, you, didn't, you didn't build your own car out of the iron that was in your soil. There's got to be an economy, right? Amen. Somebody's got to provide the iron. Somebody's got to provide the food. And somebody's got to provide the services. Somebody's got to provide the work and the labor. Everybody's got to provide. Amen. And the only way you could survive, you can't even live in this world without taking part in the economy. Right? Amen. So what I want to, what I want to preach to you in God's economy is, it's to make you think about it this way. Participation is not an option. 
It is not an option. You don't get to sit in your hands, amen, and just, just be a consumer, amen, and just have everything come to you, amen. The world that we live in, in the naturally speaking, it's an economy. You have to participate, amen. But in God's economy, it's the same, brother, sister. Spiritually speaking, you don't get to just come to this message and just be a church member and just warm a pew and just, just sit there and, and consume and take everything in. But God has called you, even as a young person, even in this season of your life, amen, God has raised you up to take part in the economy of the revelation of the mystery of God. Amen. You're very, very important. The thing doesn't run without you. Hallelujah. Participation is not an option. Amen. You got to realize who you are. Brother Branham said, you, you. Somebody say me. Somebody say I. I was a son or daughter of God before there even was a moon, stars, or a molecule. You believe that about yourself? That's what a prophet said. You were sons and daughters of God, for you are only the physical manifestation of the attributes that were in God at the beginning. Amen. For there's only one form of eternal life. And he said, that was you before. Amen. I love that word before because, you know, we go through things as young people and we get into circumstances of our life and, you know, we get to, we have a certain spiritual temperature and we've got struggles, we've got problems and, and it's hard to get our minds out of the moment. But Brother Bram said, don't look at the moment, but think about before. Amen. Because before you ever made a mistake, before you ever fail in a snare, before you ever ran into trouble, you are a son, you are a daughter of God. You're older than the molecules of this earth. Amen. You came out of his mind. You're the offspring of Jehovah. You're the birthing of his loins. Amen. You, young person, you, young man, you, young woman, are a son or daughter of God, an eternal seed. Your eternal life. You were in, in the image of God. You were made and you were manifested. You were manifested. You were manifested for the glory and the fellowship of God. Amen. And therefore, as sure as your gene had to be in your father before your natural birth, your spiritual gene had to be in God because you are an expression of the attributes of his thoughts before the foundation of the world. Brother Bram says, right. He says, no way around it. <laughs> Come on, young people. There's no way around this thing. Amen. You might spend like I did. You might spend about 20 years being raised up in a message church. You might have come out of a message family. Maybe your grandpa's a pastor. Maybe your daddy's a deacon. Your mom's a church musician. And you got, you got that kind of a, 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 of a pedigree. Amen. But that doesn't do you any good in God's economy. Amen. Because there has to come a day. There's no way around it. There's no substitute for it. You got to come to a personal experience. A personal revelation of Jesus Christ. Not to your church. Not to your family. To you as an individual. Amen. You got to know where you stand with God. You got to know that you were in his mind before the foundation of the world. God wants to reveal that to you. Amen. If that's something you desire, it's not withheld from you. It's what God is trying to get across to young people in this day. Amen. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He's looking for a young man or a young woman to rise up and say, I'll be a part of God's economy. I'll be part of the fellowship of this mystery. There's no way around it, friends. If you are in the mind of God, you have to be a part of the unveiling. You've got to be a part of the word for this day. You've got to be part of this revelation. You've got to be part of this. You have to be because, see, the seventh angel message reveals the whole mystery. The whole mystery. When we talk about the, the whole mystery of God being revealed, we're not just talking about the seven seals and the church ages and the third pole, amen, and water baptism and the revelation of the Godhead and all those things. I'm talking about individuals. 
amen, has got to be revealed, friends. And that's exactly where we're living as we were preaching on Thursday. It's the big reveal. Amen. This great drama has come to a crescendo. It's come to the very climax of this story. And God has taken his mask off, amen, and showed, hey, this is not just a church. This is not just a denominational system. This is not just a social gathering. Amen. This is Christ revealing himself, amen, in a many-member bride. And that means, that means older ones. That means mothers and fathers and ministers and pastors. But that means young men and young women with lives that are burning with this message, burning with the zeal of this word, saying, nobody can take my part. Amen. Don't let anybody despise my youth. I'm part of this mystery. I'm part of this message. Nobody can take your place, friends. Amen. That's, what I, that's all I'm trying to tell you this afternoon. Amen. Every single attribute under this message, under this seventh angel sounding, every attribute has to be revealed. Everything has to be expressed. This is harvest time, manifesting time. Everything has to put forth fruit and prove what it is. One way or the other, friends, there's no way around it. You, you, it's going to be revealed out of your life what seed is in you. You've got a part in this thing. Hallelujah. Brother Bram said the lamb, he talks about the lamb in the time of intercession. Amen. The lamb, how Jesus died. You ever wonder why, well, Jesus died and he paid for all of our sins, so what are we doing here 2,000 years later? What's the whole thing about? Why are we here? He paid, he came and he paid for our sins. You know, and he paid the price of redemption. How come we didn't all just go to heaven then? Because there was more mystery. There was more attributes. There were more things in his heart that had to be revealed. And so he's laying there in the part of an intercessor. He's on that mercy seat pleading out. Amen. And he says as long, he said the reason why is that he knew that there were names in there that were put there before the foundation of the world. Now you got to put your name here, brother, sister. He said, and as long as those names have never been manifested on earth as yet, he had to stay there as an intercessor. Glory to God, friends. Amen. He couldn't. We, he couldn't take everybody to heaven 2,000 years ago. The rapture couldn't come in 1977. Why? Because there was another name on the book. Amen. And the blood of Jesus Christ is in effect generation after generation. It's never too late as long as there's a name on his book. Amen. He won't lose a one of them. He won't lose you. He'll find you. He'll quicken you. He'll bring you into the fold. Hallelujah. He won't fail to do it. Brother Bram said as long as there was one name. For the sake of one name. Amen. That had never been declared in the earth. Christ had to stay as an intercessor to take care of that name. Friends, there's no way around it. I'm here to tell you, you can't be halfway into this message. You can't ride the fence with this message. Amen. You've got to manifest what you are. But if you're one of his children, don't worry about anything. He'll watch over your name. If you're on his book, young man, young woman, you don't have to fear. You don't have to be afraid. Just trust the seed, as Brother Ron preached. Trust that seed. It's going to manifest itself. He'll watch over his, that name. He'll watch over your name. Why? Because it's his name. It's his reputation. Amen. What kind of a good shepherd would he be if he could lose one of his sheep? Amen. The problem we have as young people, we have far too much fear about where we stand with God. And what I'm trying to preach to you, amen, is that God didn't choose you on the basis of what a good Christian life that you live. Amen. How good a boy or how good a girl that you've been, amen, is not what earns you into his presence. Amen. You didn't work your way into this thing. You weren't taught into this thing. Amen. You didn't study your way into this thing. Amen. But it was the grace of God. Amen. 
that elected you. Amen. He looked at you. Amen. And he chose you. Amen. He chose other people, but he chose you on that same level. He said, this one, amen, this name is going on my book. And nobody will ever take it off. Hallelujah. He's taking care of your name. This is not, this message is not just about, don't let, don't be deceived, young people. Amen. This thing isn't just about joining a good message church. You go to a good message church here, here in Edmonton. You, you have a good pastor. Amen. You got good family. You got good ministry. You got, you got good leadership. Amen. But that, but it's more than that, friends. It's not about having your name on the book. Amen. But it's by knowing by a personal revelation that your name's on his book. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Ghost has sent. Amen. It's a token unto you. Amen. That's why you got to be born again. You got to have the Holy Ghost on the inside where his spirit bears witness with your spirit that says, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. My name is on his book. If that's not a reality to you, it can be. It can be. You don't have to leave this meeting this afternoon, amen, without a solid, sure, personal revelation that you are a son or a daughter of God with eternal security. Hallelujah. you got to have a revelation that your name's on his book. Amen. Because if your name's on the book of, of End Time Message Tabernacle, that only goes so far. Amen. And it ain't far enough. It's not enough for me to know that I belong to True Word Tabernacle. And, you know, and, 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 and I've sat under the ministry of Ray Erickson and Dwayne Lawson. And I thank God for those things. And God works through those things. But my security, amen, my identity is not on the name of my church. Amen. Or being associated with the name of William Branham. You realize there's only one name given under heaven whereby men may be saved. Amen. And that's the name that he's watching over. That's the name whose reputation he will defend. Amen. If you're one of his, if you're in Jesus Christ, then you're called by his name. Amen. You're identified with his attributes. If he's righteous, you're righteous. If he's holy, you're holy. If he's good, you're good. If he's got power, you've got power. If he's an overcomer, you're an overcomer. Not because of who you are or who you belong to, but because you're part of him. Hallelujah. You're in God's economy. Amen. A word. What is a word? It's a thought that has become expressed. Amen. And we talk a lot. You, 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 you've heard good teaching. You've heard good ministry. And we talk a lot around this message about the word and the word, the word. We've got the word. We believe the word. Amen. God restored the word. Amen. But what is the word, friends? Amen. It's got to be a little deeper than that. You've got to realize you are the word. Amen, because you were the thought of God that now has been expressed, making you the spoken word of God. Amen, God didn't send a messenger to raise up a bunch of churches and build a new denomination, but he sent, a, he sent an eagle screaming over a chicken yard. Amen, so that somebody, amen, of a royal seed, of a royal lineage, somebody that belonged to him in the beginning would hear that prophet's voice and say, that's my father's voice. That's not just the words of a man. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know what you think this message is, young people. Maybe it's the lifestyle that you were raised under. Amen. It's the tradition of your home. It's the church that you belong to. It's more than that. It's a whole lot more than that. There's deeper things in here for you than that. Amen. That won't keep you. That won't hold you. That won't even give you peace. It won't even give you joy. All you'll find in that level of thinking is a bunch of miserable religion. Amen. But if you could ever hear this eagle scream. Amen. If you could ever hear your theophany speak to you out of this message. Amen. It'll rock your world. 
Amen. It'll be a deep call that'll answer the deepest desire of your heart and will identify you, say, you're my child. You came from me. You matter. You're important. You're special. You have value. Because you're part of my mystery. And I have thought of you, but now I have spoken to you. And I have expressed into this age a group of young people, amen, that are called to overcome Laodicea, amen, and take the very changing of the body. Notice, Brother Bram said, the word had to be manifested. If, you're, if you were a thought, you've got to become word. You've got to become manifested who you are. And when the word had to be manifested of a promise, he said, God always sends a prophet to manifest that promise because the word of the Lord comes to him, right? The word of the Lord comes to a prophet. Moses was foreordained for the purpose. He was called to the job, and no one else could do it. No one else could do it. And when God has called a person for a job to do, there's no one that can take his or her place. There is no one. When God has called somebody, there is nobody that can take their place. Now, you're going to have to, we hear these things a lot as young people, but you got to really just let it settle in for a moment. That there's nobody who can take my place. God called me, amen, and I'm not interchangeable. I am not dispensable. I am not replaceable. I am part of his purpose. I am part of him, amen. Brother Bram said, there is no one that can take your place. Amen. There's no one that can take your place I like how he said it, with your peculiarity. Now, we're all peculiar people, some of us more than others. <laughs> Amen. But see, God, God made you the way that you are in a peculiar way, in a unique way, on purpose. It was on purpose. Oh, my. Amen. Let's just read on. He said, there's no one can take your place with your peculiarity. Now, Brother Bram just begins to share personally from his own heart. He says, there's how often I've wondered. And he said, I would have liked to take Oral Roberts' place. Amen. I would have liked to take Billy Graham's place or be somebody like that. But he said, I can't be Billy Graham. But neither can Billy Graham be me. <laughs> I can't be Oral Roberts, but Oral Roberts can't be me. Amen. Amen. Are you getting any young people? He said, you are each one set in God's economy. Just for its place, one fasts all the time and communes with God, and another one casts out devils. Amen. Because this one is fasting. Remember somebody came to Brother Branham and they said, Brother Branham, I've been fasting and I've been praying and I've been, I've been putting in a lot of work. I've been really making a lot of sacrifice and I still never cast out a devil. You know, so what's wrong with me? Because, because what's happening in my life is not what's happening in your life, Brother Branham. Brother Branham said, you got it all wrong. He said, you're supposed to fast and pray so I can cast out the devils. Amen. So see, see, in God's economy, you can't measure yourself by somebody else. Amen. You can't expect God to reveal something in your life that he's just, just because it's being revealed in somebody else. That's not why he raised you up. Amen. If God needed another Nathan Erickson, he already raised up a Nathan Erickson. He already raised up an Andrew Dodd. He already raised these ones up. Amen. He doesn't need another Nathan. He doesn't need another Andrew. But he needs you. He needs you. Amen. Because your peculiarity fits the very need that he had in his mind before the foundation of the world. Amen. It's the whole body of Christ working together. The unity. The unity. Brother, sister, you are an authentic 
You are a one-of-a-kind work, a creation of God's expression. You think, you think, well, Brother Nathan, I'm not really anything special. Oh, yes, you are. Amen. Because the great artist of creation, the one who painted every rainbow, the one who painted the sunset, amen, the one who dotted the stars up in the heavens, amen, he, as Brother Ron preached, he watched over your grandfather and your grandmother and every ancestor that you had and everything that ever happened in your life and everything that you've been through was God with the paintbrush of the artist, amen, painting you, amen, expressing you, building you into what he wanted for his purpose, for his glory, for his, for the need that he wanted to meet through your life, through your life, amen, you got to accept that for yourself, amen, he, and here's the beautiful thing about God, God doesn't do anything halfway, Brother Bam said God doesn't make halfway Christians. He doesn't make halfway preachers. Sometimes a preacher's halfway, but God doesn't make halfway preachers, halfway Christians, halfway young people. He doesn't do anything haphazard. He makes all things beautiful in his time. Amen. So you got to believe that about yourself. Amen. That don't sell yourself short. Amen. Don't let the devil, amen, assign his value to you. Amen. Trust God's evaluation of you. Amen. He said, you're precious. You're accepted in the beloved. You're a part of me. You are my creation. You are my word. I thought about you. I meditated over you. I spoke you. I expressed you. I painted you. I sculpted you. I formed you to reveal my mystery, to make you part of my great drama. I gave you purpose. I gave you life. I gave you breath. <sighs> Hallelujah. Brother Bram said, uh, he said, your name was put on the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. And think of this now. He said, the color hair that you have. That comes down pretty real, right? The color hair you have. Some of you would change your hair color if you could. Some of you would change the color of your eyes, but Brother Bram said the color of eyes that you have, amen, the stature that you're in, some of you would add an inch, some of you would give one up, amen, but the stature that you're in, God's seen you before the foundation of the world. And now, you know, it was so wonderful hearing Brother Ron preach last night because I grew up, I've heard over decades of my life, amen, I've heard Brother Ron preach that, that God chose the color of your hair. God chose, I've heard him preach that quote so many times as a young person, but you know what? It took me a little while to believe it. Amen. But what I want to tell you, young people, is that you got a right to lay hold of that in the face of every complex that you have, everything you would change about yourself, all that insecurity, all those thoughts of insufficiency, friends, you are allowed to lay that aside and take hold of God's predestination and say, I, oh, friends, you realize that a Christian doesn't, a, a Christian doesn't love himself, love herself. It's not Christian to love yourself. But let me tell you something to encourage you. Amen. As a Christian, when you get a revelation of your predestination, you can love being yourself. Amen. You can love being who God made you to be, friends. Amen. Amen. I admire, I admire Brother Ron. I admire Brother Ray. Those are my heroes. Amen. But you know what? I like being Nathan Erickson. And I like doing what I was called to do. And I like being me. I didn't used to think that way as a young person. But God gave me a revelation that I've got a part in God's economy. And nobody else can fill it. Nobody else can do what I'm called to do. Nobody can do what you're called to do. Nobody. God never thought, he never thought up a backup plan for you. He didn't have a few different concepts that he could run with if you didn't work out. You are a perfect, foreordained creation of God. 
you are predestinated unto adoption. You are possessed. What is adoption? It's a positional placing. You're predestined to fill a spot in this tabernacle, in this temple of restored worship. You're one of the stones in that wall. And you might wish you were shaped a little different. You might wish you looked a little different. You were painted a different color. But friends, if you're in this temple, amen, then you are housing the glory of God. Amen. You become the vessel. You become the container of God's holy presence. And anybody in this world who wants to get to God has got to come through you because you are his house. You are a stone, a lively stone that has been built up and you've been placed and you've been shaped in the way that you are shaped. And nobody's shaped quite like you. Nobody can fill your place, friends. Hallelujah. He said he chose the color of eyes that you have, the color of hair that you have. He chose your stature. He saw you before the foundation of the world. And listen to this. And he saw you, a human being, just like you are. He saw you, a human being, like you are. You mean, Brother Nathan, that God didn't just, you know, pull out the phone book and just pick off a list of names at random and this one of them just kind of happened to look like me and be like me? God saw you, you as a human being, you as a young man, you as a young woman. He saw you like you are. And he said, I choose that one. Put that name on my book. That's the one I want. You didn't win God's election by some lottery of chance. He didn't just spin the wheel and you got lucky. God chose you. He foreknew you. He saw you. He saw what you would look like. He saw what you would be. He saw what you would go through. Me? You. You. Not anybody else in this room that I'm preaching to you, but you. Amen. <laughs> Uh, put that name on my book. Like we preached on Thursday, Christ, the Holy Spirit, he wants to come into you with your temperament. Amen. You know, it's, it's kind of easy to see that God would want to come and take over a person. And like Brother Bram said, you know, uh, you know, he wants to think the thoughts he would think through that person. He wants to speak the kind of words he would speak through that person. He wants to do the kind of things he would do through that person. That's, that's you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's amazing, but that's a little bit easier to wrap our head around. Amen. Until you realize what Brother Bram's describing is God wants to do it through your temperament. You say, oh, Brother Nathan, of course God can come down on Sunday morning and just take hold of my pastor and anoint his tongue and make him speak the words of life to me, amen, as the very oracle of God. But I'm telling you, brother, sister, amen, that God, with your personality, with your preferences, with your attitude, with your, with, with, with he made you the way that you are, amen, because he wants to express himself through that. Hallelujah. Brother Samuel Browning preached at a youth banquet for us one time. He said something. I wish somebody would have told me this when I was a young person. He said, listen, God wants to give you the Holy Ghost. And he wants to give you the Holy Ghost. Now, you might look at it. You, we, got, we all have heroes in our life. So you might look at Brother Andrew, and you're 31, Brother Andrew, and, and you think, my, there's a, there's a young man who's got the Holy Ghost, and, you know, and, and, and he's got the blessings of the Lord in his life, but God doesn't want to give you the Holy Ghost to turn you into a 31-year-old. He doesn't want to give you the Holy Ghost to make you another Andrew Dodd. God wants to show the world what the Holy Ghost looks like in a 13-year-old, in a 14-year-old, in a 15-year-old. Amen. He wants to reveal a mystery through you. Amen. And nobody else can do it. He wants you. He wants you. You say, Brother Nathan, I want him. I want Jesus. I want the Lord. I want a real experience. He wants that. 
That's why you feel that pull. That's why you feel that draw. Amen. Don't look at all the mess that you're in and the things you're dealing with and all the issues you got right now. Look way down deep in your heart and you feel that tugging. You feel that pull. Something pulling on you saying, hey, I belong to something higher. There's a higher walk for me. There's a, there's a higher realm. Amen. I've come from somewhere. I've fallen from some glory. Amen. Listen to that voice. That's God calling you and saying, hey, amen, I've got this one. I've got that one. They're in their position. They're doing what I called them to do, but I've got more mystery. I've got more expression to do, and I want you to do it. I want you to be my instrument. I want you to be my paintbrush. I want you to be my microphone. I want you to be my sculptor's tool. I want you to be my hammer. I want you to be my broom. I want you. I want you. Hallelujah. He's in you with your temperament. And he begins to talk about, in the unveiling of God, he talks about, you know, somebody who, like a bell maker. You know, he takes, he, takes a, he takes the minerals of the earth, he takes some brass, he takes some iron, he takes some copper and things like that, and he makes a bell. Amen. But you know, not every bell gets the same ingredients. Or rather, it's the same ingredients, but it's a different blend. It's a different mixture. He puts a little more iron in this one. And he puts a little more copper in that one. Amen. Why? Because he wants to make it a different sound. Amen. Because the great composer knows how to make beautiful music. Amen. So he calls you and he forms you and he doesn't make you the same as everybody else. Why? Because you've got a part in this song. You've got a part in the art. You've got a part in this expression. Now you might be the lead violin. Amen. Or, or you might be the guy who sits there for two hours and right at the end of the symphony he pulls out the triangle and bing. But brother, sister, if that's who you are, you're the only one that can play that thing. You're the only one who can make that sound, and it wouldn't be a beautiful symphony without you. Amen. So you got to think a little different. you got to think a little bit different than we do with our natural minds. Is this okay? Are you enjoying this? Amen. He said that's the way God did. He bred this one to that one and this one to that one. Amen. Until he got exactly what he wanted. Exactly what he wanted. Now, you and me, we get up in the morning and look in the mirror, and we don't see what we want. But I want you to know that God looks through the filter of this word. He looks through the blood of Jesus Christ and he sees exactly what he wanted. He sees exactly what we wanted. God will get what he wants. Amen. I can see God, you know, before the foundation of the world, he says, hey, Gabriel, come over here. Come over here. And, and uh, I want to I just tell you about something. I've been, I've been thinking. <laughs> I've been thinking. And, you know, I've just, been, I've just been planning out my great drama. And I've been thinking. And, and I just want to tell you about, I, I tell me about a young man named John. And I'm gonna, I, I got this young man, John, in mind, and I'm going to put him, I'm going to place him in, 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 right there in, in, in Edmonton, Alberta. And he's going to have red hair, and, and he's going he's to he's be a singer and a preacher, and he's going to have all these good gifts. But you know the great thing about him is that uh, he's going to be a kind of young man when if he can't be preaching, he's going to be singing. And if he can't be singing, he's going to be working. And if he can't be working, he'll take a broom, he'll hold a door for somebody, he'll, he'll shake a hand, he'll smile. Amen. Why? Because he'll be somebody that cares about my work, not about about his status. He's not trying to press himself into being, taking somebody else's position. He's going to be who I called him to be. So he's going to be the old Gabriel. He's going to be amazing. He's going to be the kind of young man when he walks out of the room, his elders begin to talk about him and brag about him to the visiting preacher. Amen. That's, oh, and Gabriel begins to say, oh my, just a, what a, how to, what, how to think of that. What a, what a glorious thought, Lord. Amen. What a glorious thing that you've thought. And God says, yes, it is glorious, Gabriel, but wait till I speak it. 
You think it sounds good now. You think it's good and worthy to think about. But wait till Laodicea comes around and I speak it into existence. Young person, God planned you. He foreknew you. Amen. He chose you. He formed you. He loved you before you had existence. Amen. But you did exist in his thoughts, in his mind, in his choosing. Wait till I speak it. Just wait till I speak it. Can't you see? That's a very that's what this message is revealing to us is that cry of God's heart, that passion, that zeal of God to say, to say, oh, I can't wait till I get to Laodicea. Amen. Because there's a group of young people there in the year 2023. Amen. That I have been waiting all this time. I sent preacher after preacher and prophet after prophet. Working my way, amen, to you and to you and to you. Amen. I can't wait, amen, amen, to see my bride in full view. Oh, it's glorious to think about, but wait till I speak it. Wait till I speak it. Hallelujah. And now we're looking around. You look at the one sitting next to you. What you're seeing, you're seeing the spoken word of God. You're seeing things that God thought about before there was a moon, before there were stars in the sky. Amen. And God hung every star in a certain galaxy to tell your story. Amen. The first Bible he wrote in the stars. The second Bible he wrote with ink and pen. But the third Bible, the final voice, the final age, the final people will be a living, breathing epistle. Written and read of all men. And you think, you think, you think, oh, you think, uh, you think that uh, because I'm a preacher, maybe I should have the attitude like, I'm so glad you young people could come hear me today and have the honor of hearing my sermon. Friends, amen, not under the revelation of this message. When I look out, I think what an honor it is. Amen, what a blessed thing it is to stand here, amen, in these shoes, amen, and look out at the purchase of the blood of God, amen, and the very thoughts of God spoken and expressed in this age, amen, to have even a glimpse in my heart of what God thinks about you is worth everything to me. It is my honor to stand here and talk to you and look at you and see what God has wrought, what God has created, what God has spoken into this world. Friends, you're his thought. You are eternal. You are special. You are powerful. Say, well, Brother Nathan, I, you know, uh, uh, power, you know, that's, there, there's preachers and they lay hands on the sick and they do miracles and exploits. And Brother Bram did a lot of supernatural things, but I'm, I'm just me. I, I don't have power. Brother Bram said that the least little touch of God. He said God doesn't have big heavy spots that's powerful and, and, and little weaker spots that are less. Amen. He said the least touch. The least touch. You say, Brother Nathan, I got a lot less of, the, of, of Christ in me than, than, than this one or that one or the one that I'm looking to or the one that preaches to me. And I got, I, I'm the least one, Brother Nathan. I'm the least one. I'm a, if I'm part of this body, I'm the skin on the bottom of the little toe. Amen. Then if you are, amen, then you're right down there where the action is because you're the closest one to the neck of the enemy and all of hell is under your feet, even if you're the least one in his kingdom. God, amen. The least touch of God, Brother Bram said, is omnipotent. Not half powerful, not sometimes powerful, all powerful. Omnipotence lays in you. Deity lays in you. Amen. The reason you don't see it is because you you haven't learned to think in terms of God's economy. He said the power you got in you now could make a new world. <laughs> Amen. You say, oh, Brother Nathan, then how come, I, how come I can't do it? How come? Because you don't need a new world to live on. You're called to overcome this one. 
You're called to put this world under your feet. Amen. We got to get moving. He said he's seen something in me. And he's seen something in you. Amen. Amen. He had a reason to save you. He said, look at the people that are unsaved today. Look at the millions he could have took besides you. But he took you. No one can take your place. Amen. You're in God's economy. No one can do it. He said, that's his love for you. For you. So what you got to do, young people, and I'd love for you to agree to do this from this time forward, is you got to retrain the mind that you were born with to not think in terms of human economy, but start to think in terms of God's economy. Could we take a few moments and deal with that? Amen. You know that we live in a society that is obsessed with value, obsessed with value. This capitalistic world that we live in, amen, capitalism is not just, you know, it's not just something uh, like some system that we sort of impose on our, on our humanity. It's built into who we are. That's why it works well for fallen human beings, amen, because it, 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 it exposes our greed. It exposes our want, our lust, and, and our jealousies, and all of those things that are in us as human beings, and those things are in us because we're built, we're fallen, amen. We, we're, we, in our first birth, we are obsessed with value. We think in terms of value and a certain kind of value, relative value. You know that, young people. You know that everything, every time that you think about your self-worth, every time that you measure yourself, you're doing it against somebody else. Amen. If I was as pretty as she is, if I could sing like he can, if I, could, if I was as handsome as that one, if I was as popular as that one. Amen. And, 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 and you know as young people, you know the oppression. You know the, 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 just the heavy weight, amen, of having that relative value forced down on you and know that you, no matter what you do, no matter what you achieve, no matter how hard you try, you'll never measure up. The devil will never let you do it. This flesh... This mind, this human spirit, it, it doesn't allow us to ever be content. It doesn't allow us to ever feel worthy. It doesn't allow us to ever feel like we're good enough because of relative value. Because you're looking at me and saying, well, maybe, well, I don't know, maybe I'm worth something, but I'm not as worth as much as him. And I'm not worth as much as her. Relative value. Amen. It's actually baked into our human nature. You know, if you go to school and you take an economics course, Economics 101, you know, they begin to teach you about a barter economy. Anybody familiar with that, you know? Because, and they'll explain it like this. They'll say, well, now we have money and we have value. You know, we got Canadian dollars and U.S. dollars and they have a certain value. Amen. But they said way back in the day, way back sometime, somewhere, you know, they didn't have money yet. They hadn't invented it. And so, so they would barter, you know, somebody, well, I got a cow, but I need three chickens. So I'll trade my cow for your chickens. And that's a barter economy, you know, and we'll just kind of agree on what's equal in value. And, and that's how it'll work. And then eventually they invented money because that made it easier. Did you know that this is just for whatever it's worth for your interest? Do you know that in all of anthropology and all of history and all that, everything that we know from studying humanity, nobody could point to a society that ever existed without money. Nobody knows that it ever, this barter economy, that's how they teach it, but nobody knows of any time it ever happened. You know what that tells to me? That tells me value is not something we invented. 
It's not just something we came up with one day. It goes way back with the human race. It goes all the way back to Eden. Amen. When Adam had something valuable, very, very valuable, eternally valuable, but it was lost. And deep down on the inside of every human being, whether they realize it or not, they know that they're fallen. We know that we're unworthy. We know we need redeemed. Somebody's got to buy us back because we're not enough. We're not worthy. We never will be. Because we lack value. Amen. Amen. You need redemption. You know that you're lacking value. You know that you're never enough. You'll never feel like you're enough. You'll never feel worthy. You'll never feel loved. You'll never really be able to just let go and be comfortable in your own skin. Why? Because of this value that's imposed on you by your first birth. In the economy of this world, you will always be compared you will be always come be compared. In human eyes, you can't escape it. You will be compared. You will come up lacking. But in God's economy, in God's economy, God does not look at relative value. God looks at eternal value. And something is only valuable to God if it was in his mind at the beginning. If it's part of his eternal life, then it has value. And it doesn't have high value or low value or medium value. It is value. Amen. Because it's eternal. And you are the eternal seed of God. And I don't care how much the devil wants to compare you to somebody else. I don't care how much your peers will compare you or how much you'll be asked to measure up to somebody else. God doesn't measure you by anybody else. He only measures you by the blood of his own son. And that's your value. Amen. In this economy that we have, we have things like inflation. You know where you got to go down to the supermarket, you got to pay $12 for a, for, a, for a dozen eggs. Eggs aren't worth $10. It's just something that happened in the economy. It was a fluke. It was, it was some, some flawed mechanic. Something got messed up somewhere. And now you got to pay a price for those eggs. And the, and the eggs aren't worth that, but you have to pay the price. But in God's value, amen, in God's economy, there's no inflation. There's no market manipulation. He doesn't mess with the interest rates. In God's economy, the price is the value. I said the price is the value. And if God would pay the blood of his only son, if God would shed his life, then your value is the value of the blood. You're the value of his own life. That's your value is the price that he was willing to pay. God didn't get a poor bargain. Amen. God, God, didn't get to, you know, God didn't get ripped off. God knew what he was paying and he was willing to pay it for you. And the beautiful thing about it is if you were the only one that was ever saved, if you were the only one that was ever redeemed, if God never redeemed William Branham and, and, and Martin Luther and John Wesley and Nathan Erickson and Andrew Dodd, if God, if God hadn't redeemed the rest of them and it was just you, if it was just you, he would have sent his son, he would have shed his blood, and he would have paid the price just for you because that's how God's economy works. Amen. Because eternal is infinite. It can't be measured. It can't be compared it can't be it can't be it can't be comprehended that's how much you mean to god that's how much you mean to god but your mind won't let you think that so you need the mind of christ to realize it's not robbery to think that way 
You're allowed to trespass there. You're allowed to dare to believe that God loves you and he values you and he chose you and he wanted you. Amen. You're allowed to believe that God wants you to have the Holy Ghost. You're allowed to believe that God wants to cover your sins. He, he wants to deliver you from what you're going through. He wants to heal your body. He wants to do it. Because of this eternal value that's in you. You see, friends, I, I, I just hope you can hear the cry of my heart and my passion as a, as, as a, as a, as a youth minister, as somebody who loves the young people. Amen. I, I love you. You are valuable to me. You are important to me. Amen. But, you, you're, but, but, but what I am preaching to you is not some kind of a watered-down, wishy-washy, veggie-tales religion about how you're very special and God loves you very much. And it's because, why? Because it's not that I assign you value. It's not that I care about you and, and I love you in my human love and so I treat you as if you have value. You are value. You're part of his eternal mystery. You are value. And if I stopped loving you and your parents stopped loving you and your pastor stopped loving you and the world rejects you, God loves you. And you're as valuable, you're as blood red ruby, you are his bride. You're the pure, virtuous, sinless, spotless bride of the Son of God. You're him. You're called by his name. You'll sit in a throne with him. You'll judge over angels. You'll judge over multitudes in the valley of decision. That's who you are. Whether you know it or not, whether you're ready to accept it or not, but the sooner you accept it, the sooner you lay down all your false humility and all of that human pride that wants to argue with God about how we're not good enough and how someday we'll, someday we'll measure up, someday we'll achieve value, someday we'll be worthy of being compared. Amen, friends. Amen. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a game. That, amen. That's a, that's a path that leads to destruction. Amen. But the way to get onto God's narrow way, the way to get on the highway to holiness. Amen. The path that leads you to a rapture, the path that leads you to heaven. Amen. Is when you make up your mind and say, God, I don't understand it. I'm barely willing to accept it. I can't wrap my mind around it, but I accept your grace. I accept your pardon. I accept your evaluation. I will believe you, Lord. I am value. I am important. Maybe not to another human being in this world, but Lord, I'm important to you. I'm part of your mystery. I'm part of your economy. <sighs> Did you think God shed his blood for you because of obligation? God shed his blood for you because of desire. Because <sighs> he desired you. He thought you were worthy. He thought you were acceptable. He thought you were redeemable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got to think in terms of God's economy. You're not, you, you, the world that we live in is not geared to produce that kind of thinking. You're biologically not, per, not, you're not, you're not built to produce that kind of thinking. The only way to be able to think that way is begin to feed on the word of God and hear what he thinks about you. Let him reveal it to you. Let him come down into your bedroom or into your car or into your closet or, 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 or wherever he finds you in that quiet moment and let him be, he comes, he comes, he, he passes by everybody on your street. Amen. He passed by a lot of churches this afternoon to come in fellowship with us. If you feel his presence today, he came to you. Amen. 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 And, 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 and he wanted to. And so he begins to whisper his love secrets to you. He begins to just tell you, hey, you realize I love you. You realize I'm important. You realize when I said there would be an invincible army. You realize when I said there'd be a selected bride that you're that. 
you're that, and you're saying, oh, Lord, no way. <laughs> no way, no way. It's kind of rude, don't you think? When God's pouring out his heart to you and making himself vulnerable, humbling himself to reach this out to you, and we, because of our ideas of value, because of our concepts of relativity, because of the way, because we always want to compare ourselves, because we give our complexes the preeminence, we want to say, no, God, choose somebody else. You, God, you already got great people. You got great leaders. You got great men. You don't need me. Brother Bram said sometimes great guys get together and you hear them say, oh, great so-and-so and great so-and-so, our great brother, our great leader. He said, don't ever do that. He said, there are no great ones among us. There's only one great one and that's God. Amen. And he said, and you are, we are brothers. We are sisters. He said, I don't care if you're pastoring a church that's got five people in it. Amen. That doesn't make you little. That makes you a brother. You might be the only young person in your youth group. That don't make you little. It makes you a brother. It makes you a sister. It makes you part of this thing. And in fact, you're overcoming things. You're overcoming in realms of loneliness. Amen. That the ones with the big church, they don't understand. They can't even wrap their minds around it. But you know what? You're living. You're striving. You're surviving. Amen. Why? Because you're part of this thing. And nobody can take you out of it. Glory to God. You're a brother. You are a sister. He said, he said, God doesn't have little children and big children. He just has children. He said, they're all the same. Woo! He said, Go, notice God himself came down from the ivory palaces of glory to become one of us. Now who's the big one? He didn't come down here to take the form of a priest, but a servant. He didn't come and lord over us. He pitched his tent with us. He stood at the grave of Lazarus and cried hot tears just to know what you're going through. The sympathizing Jesus. And what did he do as a servant? He washed the very clay that he created. He washed the feet of his apostles and others. Now who's great? You know, we think in our terms of value, we see big ones in the kingdom of God. We see little ones. We see those through our human understanding, but you've got to realize there's only one rank in the kingdom of God. That's foot wash flunky. If Jesus Christ would leave the splendor of heaven and the king of all glory, the creator of the universe, would, would, would kneel down on the floor and wash the dirty feet of some, some foul-mouthed fisherman, yeah. amen, then, what, then how are you and I going to think anything of ourselves, friends? Amen, but praise be to God, it was God that thought something of us. Amen, it was his choosing that thought we were valuable. It's not who we are. It's not big ones and little ones, and, 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 and it's not measuring ourselves against people that we think are greater than us. It's just to realize I'm part of this. I'm a brother. I am a sister. I'm in this family. I'm in this bloodline. I'm in this lineage. What a glorious thing. Amen. Now, you know, you know, of course, Brother Branham, you know, because many people would preach what I'm preaching to you right now, but it comes from a place of jealousy. Amen. It comes from a place of trying to tear down somebody that God's lifted up, a ministry that God has raised up. Amen. Brother Branham would use, he would talk about, you know, fellow, fellow Pentecostal leaders and things, and he would say this one, you know, one of the great ones among us or our great brother so-and-so, and he would use terminology like this. Amen. Because that's how the body of Christ works. You're going to have men that are going to shake the world and, you know, and preach big conventions and, and they're going to be, you know, and, and they're going to be in the spotlight maybe more than another one. And you're going to have that. Amen. Because we're not supposed to all be the same. We're all different. But we're valued the same. And God doesn't look at the big name preacher. Amen. And think any more highly of that human flesh than he does of you. Amen. The only way you could possibly believe that is to let go of your ideas of value. 
Amen. And believe in God's economy. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, uh, as I've preached before, you know, we might look at a man like Brother Ron Spencer that's traveled the world, and he has a ministry that we all love, and, and, and he's dear to us. He's important to us. And, you know, many people look, and they uh, look through eyes of jealousy at that. But you know what, you know what it tells me? You know, as a young minister, you know, uh, the, just the cry of my heart thing, you know what? It just hit me one day. God loved me so much. Amen. If, if you took away my ministry, if I never preached another meeting, amen, if I had no position in the church, if I was nothing in this body, not, if I couldn't hold the door for somebody, if I couldn't even sweep the floor, yet God thought so much of me, he would raise up Ron Spencer. He raised up Ray Erickson. He raised up Ed Hammermeister. Amen. He raised up your church. He raised up my church. Why? Because he valued me. Amen. Because I was part of his eternity and he had to use those instruments. He had to use what we think are great gifts. He had to use what we think are small gifts and they all had to work together. Amen. To bring me into the unity of the faith. Why? Because this thing isn't complete without me and it's not complete without you. You have value. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Ben, oh my. See, in God's economy, we're all completely different. We'll all have different lives, different experiences, different ministries, but we're all valued the same. And there's not another message on the face of the earth that can reveal that to you like this one. Brother Brandon preached adoption. Anybody ever listen to the adoption series? Study that. Remember, he said it was a positional placing. And so you are called, you're predestinated to an adoption, which means you've got a position in this thing. You've got a place that's reserved for you and nobody else can fill it. And only a prophet could preach it. Now, God could have come to a lot, down to a lot of men in the, in, the, in the 50s and 60s, big charismatic leaders and Pentecostal you know, revivalists and, and, and overseers and bishops. And there was a lot of men that God could have come down to and said, hey, I pick you. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna preach you're going to preach these people into an adoption age. You're going to usher forth the adoption. You're going to bring it to the church. You're going to teach it. You're going to break it down. And you know what it would have been. It would have been some guy on TV in the biggest city in the world with a million people around him on the center stage. He'd be emptying out hospitals. He'd be walking on water. He'd be doing the supernatural. And look at the adoption has come to the church. Look how powerful I am. Look how big my ministry is. Look at my worldwide outreach. There would have been no room for you. There would have been no room for me. But Brother Branham comes and he preaches adoption. He said, if God's called you to be a farmer, you'll be the best farmer there ever was. If God called you to be a mechanic, if God called you to be a factory worker, if God called you to be a housewife, or anything that the world might not value, amen, but if God called you to it, then it's of eternal value. We don't all have to be prophets. We don't have to all be fivefold ministry. Amen. But we got a part in the body. Amen. And the Bible said the ones that we think are less honorable on those are bestowed more abundant honor. And the ones that you think you can do without, you can't. You can't, you can't have a church without young people. You can't have a successful meeting without a, without a youth group on fire for the Lord. You are the thermometer of the church. The best meetings we've ever had in our home church are always right, are always the first one after a youth camp, a youth meeting, or something like that. Amen. I was, I was explaining this to our young people. You realize why that is? You did that. You did that. Amen. Because you got, you got to a meeting, amen, where you were valued. 
Amen. Where, where somebody had a burden for the youth so they didn't have just a whole weekend of meetings and leave you out. They set a place, amen, where you could be valued and you could be ministered to. And so what did it do? It gave you a seat at the table and you begin to participate. Amen. You get on fire for God. Then when you show up to church, we really have church. Because you affect the service more than you think you do. If you come tonight, amen, to this prayer line service and you come with an expectation in your heart, you come just burning with faith and you come saying, Lord, I'm going to participate in this thing. It might be the greatest meeting you've ever been in. Because you matter. Because you're essential to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. We got we to gotta wrap our minds around that. Amen. Uh, Brother Bam talked about little David. There was nothing about him. He was a little stripling boy. You wouldn't have picked him. I wouldn't have picked him. But God chose him. Amen. So it's not what we look at. And Brother Bram said, well, you say, well, Brother Branham, I wasn't called to be a preacher. He said, you might be called to be a housewife, but you got your position in Christ Jesus by the Holy Ghost. You're just as much David as the rest of them. Young lady, amen, how many times have you been made to feel like you're of less value, like you're an afterthought, like you're a second-class person just because you're a woman? Amen, but in God's economy, amen, you are his elected, anointed. You are called to be that housewife. You are called to be that mother, and you are dripping with the oil of anointing. You are, you are an essential part of the economy of God. And God raised you up in this day and he didn't, he didn't ask anybody else to fill your place. He knew you were the one that could do it. And he didn't make you a halfway housewife. He didn't make you a halfway mother. He didn't make you a halfway young lady, a halfway singer, a halfway worshiper, a halfway puller. No, he went all the way with you. He went all the way to Calvary to produce you. God values you. Amen. I know that people don't treat you right. I know that there are complexes that come, amen, with being a holiness sister and being under the, the, the derision of this world and people making fun and persecuting you. Amen. But if just for a moment, amen, you could just enter in and have the confidence to rest your soul on how much God thinks of you to make you the banner of this message. Amen. To to fly you in the face of this world and say, this is my bride. This is my beauty of holiness. This is my fifth gospel. This is my living word. You see in the body of Christ, every joint supplies. Remember, participation is not an option. You cannot be in the body of Christ and just be a consumer. You can't just sit there service after service and cross your arms and say, oh, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope the singing's good today. I hope the preaching's good today. I hope he doesn't go too long. You know, I hope, I hope uh, uh, entertain me if you can. I guess I'm here. No, friends, you're part of this. You're part of this. You have something you've got to supply. We need it in the economy of God. We need you. We need young people, amen, who care about, who, who will stop comparing themselves to everybody else in the world and stop thinking about comparisons, stop thinking about worth, stop thinking about complexes, and just care about purpose. Just care about purpose. Say, oh, I don't care. You know, I, I, I don't care what I have to be or what my role is or what anybody thinks about me, but let me be a part of this eternal story. Let me be part of this. Nobody in the body is without purpose. What is the mystery behind the message? Christ in you. Christ in you. So the mystery is what's being revealed. Not to you, but through you. What is being revealed through you? That's a question to ask yourself. What does God want to reveal through me? 
Amen. Not to your life, but through your life. Jesus preached about the the 11th hour workers, and there was a group of people that came right at the end, you know, and, and, and they came, and there were people who had been working all day in the field, and then at the 11th hour, some workers came, and they just, they, they just had a short, quick work, uh, and they put their labor in, and then the master of the, of the harvest comes, and he hands out all everybody's wages, and he paid the ones at the 11th hour the same that he paid the first ones, and they begin to look at that, and they say, that's not fair. That's not just. You just got here. And now you think that you, you, you deserve the same reward that, it, that, that the, ones that, the ones that came before you, the ones that were here in the first place? You think you deserve what Peter had? You're a young person in 2023. The Lord might come tomorrow. And you think you get to have what Paul had and Peter had? You think you got a right to what Brother Branham had when you're a teenager in the last little sliver of light? Doesn't sound fair, does it? <laughs> Amen. And so, so people got upset about it, but you know what the master said? He said, I've got a right to call who I want to call. And I've got a right to pay them what I think they're worth. Amen. He said, and there's many that are called. There's a lot of people called, but there's very few that are chosen. Amen. So if you're chosen, then you deserve the wage. You deserve the value because I called you and you answered and I chose you. Amen. And, and I want to tell you, young people, everybody that God called, everybody that God chose, there's a wage that's due to them. Amen. There is a wage. You say, well, I don't deserve it, Brother Nathan. I just got here. I'm just a young person. Amen. That's all beside the point. You don't deserve it, but it's your due. It, you've got it coming. It's promised to you. You say, Brother Nathan, there's not enough time to make a difference. The Lord's coming tomorrow. Brother Bram said, if the Lord is coming tomorrow, but my roof needed fixing, I would get up on that roof with a hammer, and when the Lord came, I'd be up there fixing that roof. I say, God, give us a generation of young people with a cry in their heart, say, Lord, the time is short. There's not much opportunity, but I will use the opportunity that I have to work for you. Well, I don't have a ministry, Brother Nathan. I don't have a special talent. Maybe all you have is a hammer. Maybe all you have is a broom. Maybe all you have is a kind word. But I'll tell you what, we need it. We need some young people that care about the work. Amen. Moses just had a stick. Moses knew he couldn't do it. Moses knew he couldn't be who he was called to be. But the Lord said, what's that in your hand, Moses? He said, this, this old thing, this is just an old dry stick. God said, good enough. Samson just had a jawbone. Shamgar just had an ox goad. Young people, what's in your hand? That's good enough. Join the work. Join the work. There's so much work to do. There's generations that came before us that split churches and hurt feelings and preach false doctrine. There's a whole lot of work to do. There's work for our generation. We've got a cause. We've got a purpose. We've got stories to rewrite. We've got situations to change. We've got scars to heal. And you can be a part of it if you'll just take what's in your hand and join the work. The world's not hurting for potential. It's not, it's not that we don't have a lack of thirsty people. We don't have a lack of hungry hearts. Amen. There's lots. There's a huge harvest. Jesus said the harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
One time I read something, it stuck with me all these years. It was one of those times, a little different from now, but it was one of those times in the economy where, where there, the unemployment rates were really high. And you know the struggle of young people of looking for good work and things. And it was one of those times when there was just nothing to be found. And, and everybody was saying, there's no work. There's no work. And I read something, somebody said, you know, they say there's no work, but there's bridges falling apart. There's young people going hungry. There's people that are homeless. There's sickness in this world. There's disease. There's war. There's lots of work. There's just no jobs. And never confuse work for a job. Young people, never think that just because you're not a deacon and just because you're not a preacher and just because you're not a pastor and just because you don't have a position in your church and just because nobody sees what you're doing. Amen. We we need young people that don't care about that, but they just care about the work. God, let me work. Let me make a difference. Let me be a part of your harvest. I'm not looking for a job. I'm not looking for a position. I'm not looking for men's applause. I'm looking for purpose. I'm looking for value. I'm looking to be a part of this eternal mystery. Let me work. Let me work. Amen. Is this resonating with a young person today? Say, God, with everything in my heart, I want that. I want purpose. I want value. I want to be a part of this thing. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I don't want to ride the fence all the day. I don't want to be undervalued all my life. I don't want to compare myself to everybody else. I need a, I need a work. I need a cause. I need something greater than myself. Oh, I see it moving on your hearts, young people. Amen. And I'm so blessed to be able to preach to you. Amen. That not only do you have a work, amen, you are the work of God in this day. You are his victory. You are his achievement. You are his purpose. You are his word. You are his message. You have a work. You have a purpose. What's in your hand? It's enough. Go to work. (laughs) Go to work. Join this cause. Work in this 11th hour. And if you'll work, if you're willing to work, young people, now if you, th- you want to be the hot shot in the youth group and you want everybody to see you and know what a great singer you are and, 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 look, and, and, and everybody looking at your budding ministry and you, know, and, 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 and you want to be the most popular one in the most, amen, if you're looking for, for that kind of a thing, you miss the whole thing. Amen. But if you want to work, amen, then there's a great work to be done. It's not too late to make a difference. It's not too late to reap a wage. You have a value. You have a purpose in this day. Don't ever let anybody take that away from you. Brother Branham said, actually, that the seventh angel's message opened the mystery of the seals. And when it did, it called the 11th hour Gentile workers. And it called them to receive the same pay that the first hour workers got. Amen. You say, you mean that, that I, amen, am due, amen, what Peter had? That I could have what Paul had? That I could have those Pentecostal blessings, that I could have that apostolic power, that I could be as important to the economy of God as every messenger, as every prophet, as every, as every pastor, as every priest. Absolutely! That's what the seventh angel's message came to tell you. That it's not too late, but the time is now to receive a bride wage. Amen. You're not supposed to be an entry-level Christian. A young person is not supposed to be a part-time believer and you just got in on the ground floor. No, you're an equal part, amen, of the economy of God. Amen, you are, you are the expression of his purpose. 
You are as essential as I am essential, as any man or woman of God is essential. Do you believe that? Amen. You are essential. And there is a wage that is coming to you. There's a lot of people that appreciate young people. And the first thing they want to tell you is that the baptism of the Holy Ghost was just for the Pentecostals. And the only way, and and that experience of God, amen, where the fire of God would fall from heaven and fill a life. Well, that was for some. You know, well, we had that when I was a young person, but now we've got the word. And now young people don't get born again. Lives don't get changed anymore. Amen. Uh, Demons don't get cast out anymore. That was all. Now we've just got the word and we're a mature church. That's not mature. That's old and dried up and weak. But thank God for a generation of young people, amen, who recognize, amen, that if he did it for my father, if he did it for my grandfather, amen, then the same wage, that same Pentecostal blessing, I've got a right to partake of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I've got a right to know Jesus Christ personally. I've got a right to have the fire of heaven, amen, fall from the sky and fill every fiber of my being and baptize me into the work of God. Brother Bram said in 1965, after the seals, in case you care about that, he said, I believe that Pentecost began without an ending. It is to every creature. It is to all times. It is to all places. Pentecost should always remain. And the Pentecostal blessings should be upon the people. And what is the Pentecostal blessing? It's the confirmation of the resurrection. Now, if we're going to sit around and belong to a church and talk about how Jesus is risen from the dead, you got to write for something a little deeper than that. Amen. Because he didn't just call you out so you could talk about how he was risen from the dead, but the resurrection life, the quickening power, the Holy Ghost is promised to you by a Pentecostal blessing that Christ himself can fill your life and make you the evidence of the resurrection. It's to all times. It's to all places. It never stopped. It's still going on. And if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's here right now. And it's his desire to give it to you. If Jesus is risen, there should be a confirmation in me. I want my value. I want my purpose. I want my wage. Brother Man said, are we really getting the people to Christ? Or are we just getting them to church? And what are you, young people? Where have we got you with all of our teaching, with all of our preaching, with all of our church attendance? Amen. Have we got you to Christ? Or do you just belong to a message church? But if you want to know Christ, amen, then there's a wage that is promised to you. You are valuable enough that God wants you to have it. He wants to empty out the heavens, amen, and pour his glory down into this church, in this city, to these young people, and fill every heart with the fire of God, amen, to give you the power that Peter had, that Paul had, that James and John had, those sons of thunder that rocked the world with the message of their day, amen, God called you to be the final voice to this final age, to fill you with his Holy Spirit and use you. Amen. To light revival fires on every hilltop that'll receive it. That's another post-63 quote. Amen. God didn't ask you to join the revival. He called you to be the revival. And he promised it would be here. He promised you would have it. He promised it to all times and all seasons. Amen. I grew up in a message church. I was a message brat. Amen. 
I, I, I had the pedigree. I have always, all of my life, I have been associated with the message. I'm a third generation message believer, but God doesn't have any grandchildren. God doesn't have any grandchildren. And all of that never paid off. I never reaped a wage, amen, by grandpa being a pastor. I never reaped a wage just by dad being a deacon. I never reaped a wage by being raised right and talking right and dressing right and hanging out with the right people and belonging to the right church. I never reaped a wage, amen. But one day in a house, amen, in the state of Michigan, there was a group of young people gathered together. It wasn't church. It wasn't a youth meeting. It wasn't a special service. It was just a youth gathering, amen. But at that youth gathering, Amen. We got in one mind and one accord, and the power of God came from the heavens. Amen. Like a heavy weight, and it baptized a house full of young people. Amen. Not in 1963, not in 1977, but in 2011, 2012, God sent a revival. He said every generation has to receive its own revival. Your grandfathers and grandmothers had their revival. Your father and your mother had their revival. But don't you realize, 11th hour workers, that you've got a right, amen, to the wages of life today. Amen. You won't reap the wages of sin. You're not called to death. You're called to life in the Holy Ghost. Life in Jesus Christ. I was there, amen, when the power filled that building just like it was in the upper room. It was exactly the same as it was on the day of Pentecost, amen, and I've gone around and testified about that, amen, and I've been criticized for it. I've been called Pentecostal. I've been called, I've been, you know, I, I've been called uh, 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 behind. I, I, I've been called a fanatic. I've been called all those things, but it's too late for that because I've already earned the wage. I didn't earn it. I reaped it, amen. I was granted this wage. You can't tell me God doesn't fill young people with the Holy Ghost. I'm just like Mary. They could make fun of her. Amen. But Brother Bram said she knew whose child that was. She was there when it happened. She was the one that it happened to. And you can have that same experience today. You won't act like I acted. You won't feel what I felt. But you'll have a real experience of your own. It's coming to you. Amen. My brother-in-law, he was supposed to be at these meetings. My brother-in-law, Christopher, he was in that place. He had juvenile arthritis. He was in chronic pain all the time. He couldn't play volleyball because he just ached all the time. It was chronic. It was incurable. Amen. And when that Holy Ghost fell in that place, we didn't have any pastors or deacons or elders of the church to lay hands on him. But a group of young people laid hands. Amen. On a young boy named Christopher. Amen. I, I asked him years later, said, Christopher, is it true that, that really, you know, that, 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 that it, was that a true healing? He said, I've never had a single symptom since that moment. You can't tell me God doesn't heal anymore. You're too late. I've already got the wage. My little sister, my little sister, her name is Lauren. Amen. She battled fear all her life. She was the most timid, backward little girl. Amen. She battled with fear. She had a, a complexes all of her life. Amen. And she just had just enough courage in that atmosphere to say, you know what? I want deliverance from that thing. And I lived with her at that time. And I witnessed, amen, that, from, that, from, that one day it was this. Amen. But the next day it was a whole new girl with a strength, with a boldness, with a faith. Amen. You can't tell me God doesn't change lives. You can't tell me he doesn't deliver. I was there when it happened. Now the devil is a cruel taskmaster and he doesn't want you to receive the wage that you're due. He doesn't care if you belong at church. 
He'll let you have a little bit here, a little bit there. He'll let you raise your arms in song service once in a while. He'll let you get a little excited when the preaching is going on, but he, won't, he doesn't want you to have a living wage. He doesn't want you to receive a blessing that'll stay with you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Amen. That, that, uh, he, he, he doesn't mind if you get a little, you know, if, if you get a little blessing at a youth camp, but, but you know, that's just a one-time bonus. And then you're going back to that slavery. Amen. He's a cruel taskmaster. He doesn't want you to, to earn enough from this word to have a living. He doesn't want you to have freedom. He doesn't want you to have a, a, a meaning. He doesn't want you to have purpose. He doesn't want you to receive value. But you know what we're going to do this afternoon? We're throwing a revolution. I, I say you're promised a wage. You don't have to live below your privileges. You don't have to live a miserable life without the full baptism of the Holy Ghost. You can walk in full blessing. For the promise is to you, and it's to your children, it's to as many are far off, it's to as many as the Lord our God shall call. And glory be to God, he's calling a group of young people in Edmonton today, saying, join the revolution. Throw aside, amen, get out from under that taskmaster. Don't let the devil dictate your value. Don't let him tell you what kind of a Christian you got to be. Don't let him make you a part-time believer. Don't let, don't, let him just, don't let him just let you to the fence and no further. This is promised to you. This is due you. You could never earn it, but it's already paid for. And we would stand to our feet now as the musicians would come. Maybe play that song softly, pour your spirit out on me. promised to you. It's promised to you. The revival didn't end in our parents' generation, our grandparents' generation, Brother Branham's generation. He said that our generation, every generation, has to receive their own revival. And when he spoke of a bride's revival, when he spoke of an invincible army, when he spoke of supernatural, when he spoke of overcoming power, he wasn't just speaking of the ones that we look up to. He wasn't just speaking of our heroes of the faith, our elders, our preachers, our ministers. You were in that mystery. Do you believe that tonight? Then if you're part of that eternal life, then you're just as essential, you're just as valuable. You've got just as much a right as any of the rest. So I'm going to open up the altar today. It's not an altar that can save you, but it's your faith at the altar. I'd like to just invite you. And you can tell by the way that I'm approaching this, I'm not trying to manufacture a response. I don't want, I don't want just a dry-eyed obedience just to get a group of young people at an altar. But I have invested my energy into this service because I believe that there's a value laying in you as a group of young people. I believe that there's a great potential in each and every one of your lives. I believe that you matter, but even if I didn't, it wouldn't change the fact that you matter. So I wanna invite you, if you've never had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, why not receive it today? You say, well, br 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 Brother Nathan, I, uh, 
all these thoughts of worth, all these thoughts of merit, all these thoughts of earning it and, 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 and comparing. Oh, but, I, but, but I'm not jumping like he was when he got it. I, I'm not shouting like he was when he got it. <laughs> but that's not, that's that relative value. But just to know that it's promised to you, promise to you. Say, Brother Nathan, I want the Holy Ghost so bad, but I just can't get over that. I can't get over that, uh, that, 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 just that lack of self-worth, that complex, that, that fear that holds me back. I just can't break through that to just believe that it's for me. But doesn't it help you to, really, to know that Brother Bram said, God wants to give you the Holy Ghost more than you could desire it? So if there's something burning in your heart saying, Brother Nathan, I want to be part of this work. I want, the, I want to be part. I want meaning. I want purpose. I want reality. I don't want to be a fence rider. I don't want to just fill a pew. I want to be part of this message. I want to be born into this kingdom. Amen. Then it's only evidence that God wants it. He wants it so bad. He's wanted it for, since before the foundation of the earth. I would invite you to come as we sing tonight and receive it. Maybe you've got the Holy Ghost, but you have been living so far below your privileges. And you've had that false humility, you've had that pride that won't let you, it just won't let you believe, it won't let you accept what God thinks about you. You'd rather stay with your complexes. You'd rather stay with your lack of self-worth. You'd rather stay with your fear than enter into his presence and let him lavish his love on you. Amen, then why not lay it down today? Why not, why not live in the full blessing of the Holy Ghost, in the full knowledge of a son or a daughter of God? Oh, friends, it's got to be something that happens between you and him in this moment. You've got to receive this pardon. Pour your spirit out on me. Fall just like the rain. Saturate my thirsty soul come and fall afresh on me fill my cup again heal my heart and make me whole i need you now pour your spirit Amen. With all your heart now, if you seek me, you shall find me. Pour your spirit out on me. He wants to be found. He wants to pour it out. Oh, saturate my thirsty soul.
Oh, find my dry and broken places, thirsty for your love. Oh, Lord, forgive me if I've wandered far So pour your spirit out on me, fall just like the rain, saturate my thirsty soul, come and fall afresh on me, oh Lord, fill my cup again, heal my heart. Just like the rain, saturate my thirsty soul, come and fall afresh, fill my cup again, heal my heart. 